0: It's Friday, and the Southern Heritage Classic is our game of the week. That means we have three matchups, two storylines, and one key to victory for Jackson State and Tennessee State. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more odds, props, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, remember... Just because the mic cuts off, that does not mean that the journey's over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Look at the lower third below. Just don't forget the S at the end. And if you can't tell, I'm pretty excited for today's episode. This, this game here is the Southern Heritage Classic between Tennessee State and Jackson State. The last time we're going to see these two match up in this classic for a good amount of time. And we'll talk about why the way I phrase that sentence is pretty particular in the second segment. But I'm excited because this game... Is something I didn't expect to anticipate this much coming into the season. But after each team's week one performance, I'm sitting here a little amped. I'm a little excited, right? So in our game of the week, I'll just run it down again for those who maybe are not or uh, were not here on last week's preview. So we're going to start off the show with three matchups to watch. We're going to go two storylines in the second segment. And then we're going to go one key to victory. Only difference from last week is instead of one key to victory, period, we're going to have one for each team. All right, so I'm pretty excited for this, guys. This is a model I brought from my last podcast and one I think I'm going to keep going throughout the year. So just tell me what you think about it. Let's get into these matchups, though. The first matchup that I want to highlight could be the most important. I'm on the fence, but it's definitely, if it's not 1A, it's 1B. Let's just call it a tie. And that's Devon Starling versus Aubrey Miller. Truthfully, this is more of a unit versus unit thing, but I wanted to specify Two specific players, so just one from each side, and clearly, if we're talking about the run game, well, we're not talking about the the fullback, right? We're talking about the running back. We're talking about the guy who just won co-OVC Offensive player of the week. We're talking about the guy who ran for over 200 yards, set his career high against Eastern Washington right now. And I mean, we could describe him a multitude of different ways, but let's just call him Devon Starling, the running back for Tennessee State. And then we can also highlight the all-swack leader in con- the conference leader in tackles last year, Aubrey Miller, when talking about stopping the run. So, this is truly just a unit versus unit. However, I did want to highlight these two players because Starling is going to be the guy who totes the rock the most. I understand that he didn't start last week. We know this was punishment slash motivation. It was, it was a coaching tactic from Eddie George to just basically jumpstart his, his star running back after what he felt was kind of a a, a, too, a too lackadaisical kind of you know, too, too lackluster preseason practice. Maybe, maybe he felt as if Starling kind of got full of himself after two years leading TSU and rushing. I don't know. But he decided that this is something that he personally needed to do. Now, also, you look at Aubrey Miller. This guy was flying around the field. We can get in the stats and numbers and all of those things. However, I try not to do that too much here because you can get that anywhere. I can, I, I can go look at ESPN and find the stats. Now, I'll give them to you. However, we want to contextualize them here. And, and sometimes we don't even want to give them at all and just say what the eye clearly showed. And that's that anywhere Florida a and was trying to get to, Aubrey Miller was there. He was there to stop them. He was flying around. He showed why he was able to lead the conference in tackles last year. I actually think that Jackson State really showed themselves to have a strong linebacking, linebacker duo um, with him and I can't remember his name, but number forty-seven. Um, it was forty-five and forty-seven in the middle. I can't remember the second guy's name. I don't know why I'm having this brain fart right now. But overall, this is a unit like I said. So you're going to need to involve the offensive lineman, the defensive lineman. You're going to need to get some sort of push. Now, you can get away with so-so offensive line pro- protection when you're talking about passing. There's ways to get around that, move the quarterback, have a mobile quarterback who can kind of elude pressure that got through. It's very, very difficult to have a good running game if your line is bad. Simple and plain, it is just that difficult because unless you like Barry Sanders, you're going to need some sort of protection. You are. You're going to need some sort of push. And on the defensive side of things, if you can stall that push, they get no no pushback. Well, now your linebackers have room to work. Now you have to bounce out, and it requires the running back to be significantly more uh, independent, as opposed to depending on that offensive line. So that's definitely what you're looking for. But let's keep going to the another to another one. Oh, sorry. Let me give some of the stats on why this is so important as well. First off, obviously Starling ran for 200 yards, but last week they held, or excuse me, Jackson State held F- Florida a and under two yards per carry so we can get into the numbers in total but that's because you know game get out of hand you start running the ball as much but but 1.1 1.2 I believe it was yards per carry so every single time no matter how many times they did it every single time that they tried to run the ball it was ineffective these these are a situation where you're going big on big just based off of week one right now let's keep rolling and after talking through that That's my number one. That's my number one uh, matchup. I was going to go with this one, maybe 1A, 1B, but no. That running game, specifically Starling versus Miller, is my number one. And then when I'm going to my second matchup, I'm looking at Draylon Ellis versus Shador Sanders. And I'm not going to say this matchup is as drastic as last week. Obviously, I mean, it didn't turn up that way. But I really felt as if it was going to be a closer game where it was going to be Sanders versus Musa. And you are going to have to, you know, decide whichever quarterback played better. Now, granted, Sanders did play significantly better than Musa, but there was also more to it than just that being the deciding factor. But Ellis versus Sanders is a is a battle that I really am interested in watching. When I'm looking at Ellis, I'm looking at a, a player who can use his legs. That's not something that Jackson State had to deal with last week. They just didn't. When you're looking at Sanders, he did everything right. It's hard to, it's hard for you to say more about him that hasn't already been said. So I'll say this. I'll, I'll bring this up. I won't talk about the performance he had last week. I'll talk about the performance that he needs to have this week. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. There was pressure on him last week to kind of take a step up in his sophomore year. But now that he's blown everything out the water, now it's even more pressure on him to keep that up. You know, like, we have to see, well, why were you this good, you know? And granted, he could have a bad game this week and bounce back week three. However, you know how that goes. You know how that goes. So we're really trying to see if this is his true year two form, right? And then with Ellis, another thing is he's going to have to be a little bit more consistent. First quarter, fourth quarter, yes. I I will take that all all day. But that second and third quarter, there was a little bit of a lull. And it's something that Eddie George alluded to. And it was his first time starting with Tennessee State. So we'll see if maybe in his second game with this team, he's a little bit more comfortable. His wide receivers and, and him have more of a, a, a rapport and more of a chemistry on the field. We'll see that. But that's what we'll be looking out for. For Sanders, there's going to be a lot of pressure to see if he can live up to it. And then for Ellis, it's going to be a fact of you have to be a little bit more consistent and show that first and fourth quarter is really who you are. Then my last one is kind of a quick matchup, and it's Eddie George versus Deion Sanders. I actually think that this game is going to be a pretty close matchup, and we'll detail some reasons why, of course. Um, This could come down to a couple of coaching decisions. The idea of, uh, man, maybe I need to go for that fourth and one on the opponent's 40-yard line instead of punting it away, or fourth and two. Maybe I need to take a chance, and... They're both relatively fresh in his collegiate game. Sanders has a lot of coaching experience before he got to Jackson State and the high school ranks and, the, and everything. However, George is really new. So with George being very new to this, I think that his instincts and his, his coaching acumen, because he played, but his coaching acumen should have jumped from year one to year two. I think that this is going to really be an interesting battle where if this game is within 10 points, It could be because somebody didn't take that chance. Somebody didn't make that coaching decision. And Coach Willie Simmons said this was the worst coaching job of his career in Florida A&M last week against JSU. Eddie George can't afford that. And I don't think Deion Sanders can afford that either. I think these are two really quality teams to where if either coach is really bad in the day, we could be looking at a situation where I don't want to call it a blowout, but that could definitely cost them the game. Going forward, we're going to have two storylines. That we are watching in this game. I'm gonna break them down. And one is the fact that this is the end of the Southern Heritage Classic between Jackson State and Tennessee State. But before I get into that, let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the best place for all of your sports wagering needs. I look at Bet Online, and one of the things that I find most valuable about them, I'll give you two. One is the fact that they're so versatile. They have basically everything you can need. They had a um, they had odds on who's going to be the starting quarterback from Michigan. They also have odds on each game. But then in addition to this, they don't want you to bet blind. They want you to be informed. They provide you the information, and it's up to you whether or not you choose it. But they give you the information to where you can know even more on the things that you're betting on. I love this. You know, it's one of the reasons that I consider them the best out. In addition to being versatile, right, they're also the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online. Where the game starts. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is mockish. And mockish means exaggeratedly or childishly emotional. I'm about to get into something real mockish right now. This is the last Southern Heritage Classic between Jackson State and Tennessee State. This is the last one, right? And if I'm, look, I don't think that Eddie George is thinking like this, but if I'm Eddie George, that's bulletin board material. Everything that Deion Sanders is out here saying, and honestly, I'm not too mad about it. Seriously, I, I personally, Darian, right, the real Darian, I personally feel like a lot of this should have just stayed private. I don't think he needed to make everything public about his displeasure with playing classics. But Deion Sanders is a person who his arguably his strongest tool is the fact that he's extremely vocal. Right. So I can't you, you can't be happy with the fact that he's very vocal and they get mad about it, too. You have to understand that he's going to say some things you don't want him to say. And he's also going to say some things that you feel like I'm very happy and very thankful that he did say it. It's give and take. So I don't get too upset when he says these things. However, I don't think he should have said it publicly. And you can call it mockish. Right. But I'm saying I'm taking it personal straight up. I'm taking it personal because. You're not just going to keep blasting the Southern Heritage Classic. You're not really even blasting Tennessee State. And I know George, like I said, I know George doesn't think this way because Sanders keeps saying that George and him share some sentiments on this. But I'm taking it personal. You don't want to play with us anymore? You're going to break your contract? All right, well, now bragging rights are going to last a little bit longer because we're not going to just run it back next year. So whoever wins this game is going to have bragging rights for at least a couple of years, likely. Now, I, I want to clarify. This is not a personal thing, but this storyline is something to watch with this being the last game between these two in the Southern Heritage Classic, how does this go? Because this iteration is over for at least a little bit. That's why I'm interested in watching it. I think they'll do a home and home at some time because that's really what Sanders want. It's all about money. It's not even about Tennessee State. But I'm just telling you what I would do. I would take it personal. That's, that's just me, though, right? So i just want to i just want to clarify everything so we don't think that i'm just bashing dion so don't hop into com- i mean or hop in the comments it doesn't matter but if you do hop in the comments and say that i just want you to know you did not hear me say that i don't have too much of a problem with what dion said i wish he did it privately and also he's not downing tennessee state it's all about money all right now those in it the- if you see somebody in the comments saying that i'm bashing dion tell- no no Refer to whatever timestamp that this happens at. I don't know what time this will be, but just tag them and say, he's not disrespecting Deion Sanders. Thank you very much. I appreciate you for your service. Now, the second storyline that I'm looking at is this is kind of a measuring stick in sorts, right? So in a way, this is a measuring stick, not completely because for Tennessee state, it, it is, but for Jackson state, you could, you kind of have to follow me. You have to follow me, Right. Let me not try to preface it, preface it. Tennessee State just knocked off or was close to knocking off Eastern Washington, who is the number 12 ranked team in the nation. Jackson State will not play a team as good as Eastern Washington this year. They won't unless something happens. They won't. Right. And North Carolina Central is the only other HBCU to get any votes to be in the uh, top 25 for the record. Right. So they looked really good against A.N.T., But you're not going to play a team like Eastern Washington. Tennessee State just did. I understand that if Team A loses to Team B and Team B loses to Team C, it does not mean that Team C is going to beat Team A. I understand that's not how it works. Matchups play a part. Just because you beat a team that beat another team doesn't mean you can beat that original. I get that. However, they did just go toe-to-toe. And right now, Tennessee State looks better than FAMU. And I understand that a lot of that has to do with the fact that they played Jackson State. They did. And that's why they don't look as good. If you would have asked me who looked better, FAMU or or Jackson or Tennessee State coming out of week zero, or let's just say week zero was the week one for both of those teams. I might have edged the FAMU because I already felt they were going to be that good. And they played, I think, pretty respectfully against North Carolina. But then they got stomped versus Jackson State. So it's easy for me to say things like Tennessee State looks better. You can't get stomped the way they did. For Tennessee State... You're trying to get an automatic bid or at least get an at-large. And if you play teams like Jackson State, who is ranked number 13, and you play teams like Eastern Washington, who is ranked number 12, and you're right there with them and you're playing them well, that should do a little bit for your your at-large bid. So to me, this is just kind of a measuring stick for, okay, we had all offseason to prepare for Eastern Washington. You only get a week to prepare for Jackson State. This is more realistic on how a week-by-week game plan is going to go. What are you going to do? If Tennessee State can be right there with them and win, be very clear. I think Tennessee State can win this game, so let's not write them off. I think that they can win this game, and if they do, I think it's going to look really good. If Jackson State wins this game, it shows they can compete with those who compete with some of the big dogs, right? So it's kind of hard because with Jackson State, you're looking for them We know what they are. I believe so. I believe they're one of the best teams, right? But I would like for them to face top competition. And I thought FAMU was going to be that, but the way they got beat kind of says that they aren't. We'll see as it goes on to the season. And also, FAMU, whether or not they're one of the best teams in the FCS or black college football, in no way does that take away from the fact that Jackson State looked absolutely dominant. So we're not taking anything away from that because a victory is a victory. And when you win that way, I know FAMU ain't a bad team. I saw him play against North Carolina. We'll leave it there. So we're not taking anything from these guys. Please don't do that. Please don't take away from Jackson State by trying to, or take away from FAMU trying to take away from Jackson State. It's, it's, it's terrible, right? Now, going forward, we're going to have one key to victory for each team, and then we're going to go around the HBCU with two topics that we're going to kind of do quick hits on, right? Um, so let's keep rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU and break down a key for each team. As we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to talk about the key to victory for Jackson State. And that is to remember it's week two. And it sounds simple. Oh, okay, yeah. It's not It's not week three a week. Don't look ahead. No, don't look back. Remember that you're not playing fam you anymore. Remember that, that, that fourth quarter where you get to sit with your pads off and the ice on, Shador? It's not that anymore. You have to now earn the right to coast once again. That is the key to victory for me because when you look at it, man, they did everything right in week one. Everything should not go that right again. It's just very unlikely that things are going to go as right as they did against Fam I mean, I ain't trying to hate or nothing, but that's just the, the the truth of it is most times you're not gonna have four um turnovers. You're not gonna have a bunch of you're not gonna have turnovers. I mean, so you see me touchdowns on Every single facet of the game. It's just not realistic. You need to remember that you have to earn the right to coast again. Please don't go in there thinking it's going to be sweet like it was last week because I do believe you will get beat. I I truthfully do. If you go in thinking that, oh, we're just going to coast again. Tennessee State has proven themselves to be able to compete with somebody who is on your level. You will lose that game. Simple and plain. And my key to victory for Tennessee State is... You got to protect the ball. If there's one thing that we can take away from week one and not call it a tendency, but take away, is that Tennessee State is a little loosey-goosey with the ball. Jackson State is very good at taking away the ball. This isn't a tendency yet. However, if you do not protect the ball, you will lose this game. You had a bad handoff between Ellis and Starling. You had another fumble. You had an interception. So you're looking at Ellis, and he's responsible for multiple turnovers. You know, um, and honestly, you could say all three, depending on who you put that that bad handoff on, right? I can't remember exactly how it looked, but he took a part in all three. Jackson State is really good at getting pressure on the on the quarterback, and that can lead to some miscues. That should be a little bit concerning. If there's anything that I feel like Tennessee State fans should be concerned about going into the into this week. I don't really feel like either one of these teams should be too concerned either way because they both looked really good. But if there was one thing that if I was looking at the Tennessee State Tigers and said, oh, that should be a little concerning, it's the fact that they did have three turnovers and Jackson State forced four of them. If that continues, that's going to be a game breaker. That's going to be a deciding factor. If you, if, I guarantee you, if Tennessee State has if tennessee state loses the turnover battle by two they're losing and i don't think that's a hot take but jackson state didn't get the ball away at all tennessee state gave it away three times we have to see if that continues going into week one um now i want to go around the hbcu quick hits i'm gonna call it quick hits right quick hits in the hbcu azias guthrie is gone from delaware state or at least he's entering the transfer portal and to me this represents something that i hope that as hbcus we get better with Guthrie is likely leaving because he feels like, you know, grass is greener elsewhere and it might be at a bigger school. I think that when you talk about HBCU recruiting and developing talent, the eventual goal is that Guthrie and players like him who show a lot of talent and a lot of promise as a freshman don't decide to leave for these other schools. I think that is the eventual goal when we're talking about HBCUs and the talent that they get. I don't blame Guthrie. I think that Guthrie has to do what's best for him. But if we're talking about the larger issue, you have a player who is considered one of the best at his position in their conference, and he's leaving after his freshman year, just a week into his sophomore year. That's something that I feel like personally, we need to work on and do better with. And then the second thing is, I want Jeremy Musa to start. Um, I meant to check to see if, fam, announced this at all, and I'll try to do it real quick while I'm talking. But I believe that, Jackson State, that game kind of balances out what happened against UNC where you were extremely excited, but now you're not about uh McKay, or excuse me, about um about Musa. So I'm looking at them to say who's going to start. You're going into week three. This needs to be the decision. For me, for me personally, I start Musa because I saw what he could do. And I saw a year of Rashawn McKay. I know who Rashawn McKay is. Let's be very clear, right? I couldn't find it and I didn't want to keep looking. I know who Rashawn McKay is because I saw him all last year. I've seen two games of Jeremy Musa and one was really promising and one was really concerning. Let's try to give him some time. I think we're too quick to give up on quarterbacks because it's such an important position. You feel like you have to get it right and it's a sense of urgency to get it right. However, if I'm looking at jeremy musa he's half and half if i'm looking at rashawn mckay i have seen a full season and he didn't beat this guy out i personally felt like it was mckay's job to lose and he ended up losing it there's a reason for that and let's allow jeremy musa to at least prove what he is because i don't know if it's week one or week two or week zero or week one i should say i know what mckay is or at least i have an idea and for that reason I'm going with Jeremy Musa starting in week three. If I was coaching, if I was Willie Simmons, that's who would be my starting quarterback. Now, these are our games of the week or our game of the week and a couple of things that we are looking at. We're going to have this format every single Friday. So make sure you're tuning in. If you have something you want me to do a quick hit about, go ahead and let me know. Um, Our game of the week next week, I think is going to be Southern versus Texas Southern. But I might put a poll up just in case and see what you guys want it to be. But you know what it is. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day we'll be back to recap this game on Monday. So make sure you're checking that out. And for your second listen of the day, check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview. That has all of the insiders. We just saw the Bills step. That's my my Super Bowl pick. We just seen the Bills step on the Rams. Something filthy, honestly. But... We'll see what you think for the rest of the season because it's not just two teams in the league. Make sure you're listening to our eight-episode preview talking about this. And shout-out uh, Wig from Locked on, Locked on Jaguars for saying the Saints are a Super Bowl contender. We love you for that. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.